Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to the Pure Worship Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Dio, and my total passion in life is to do anything and everything I can to help you get closer to God. I figure if we can do that, it's going to impact every other area of your life, from your finances to your family to your job and without a doubt, your eternity. Sure, we'll talk musical worship, but more than anything, we'll talk fellowship and real friendship with our Heavenly Father. Abundant life done right. Our mission at the Pure Worship Podcast is to help you discover or rediscover that walking and talking full of purpose connection with God, that you might also empower others in the same way. So be encouraged and join the conversation as we go on the journey together. Today on the Pure Worship Podcast, Josh and I stir things up as we engage on the thought-provoking topic of extravagant love. Once again, we extract some incredible personal and practical nuggets from a story Jesus highlights big time, but one honestly that many of us would prefer to gloss over. It makes us a bit uncomfortable, and we tend to dismiss it as one in the worship extremist category, all the while Jesus is trying to highlight it as just the type of worship he's looking for. Sooner or later, we've got to ask ourselves, why are we so uncomfortable with those who go all out for worship? Is it simply a matter of cultural differences or personality differences? Or could it be it's just easier to dismiss them as quacks than it is to admit our own need for growth and then to begin the journey of becoming like them? Jesus certainly didn't call it a matter of culture. He calls it a matter of love. A couple things to expect. Josh goes cold blue on the radio as he warns the worship police about a suspicious woman who's arrived on the premises with a large bag on her person. And I remind us that Jesus boldly invites us to come to him in the middle of our mess, not waiting until everything is just so, but right in the middle of our deepest embarrassment and most terrible trial. All right, let's pray and we'll get into it. Father, we come boldly before your throne today to seek your face and to learn from your Holy Spirit. Please teach us all you have for us concerning how we can become the extravagant worshipers you've created us to be. We want nothing less and nothing more than all you have for us. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, let's go ahead and jump on the podcast bandwagon with this Tuesday's Pure Worship Podcast entitled Extravagant Love. All right, guys, welcome to the Pure Worship Podcast, man. Welcome. Man, Josh. One and all, <laughs> welcome to this fine day. It's fine day. It's a fine day for a podcast. It's a fine day for a podcast at the Pure Worship Podcast. Yeah! Yeah! That's, All right. Man, that's our little jingle. That there it is. Is, is it? That's that the jingle. Perfect. <laughs> so we just need about four or five layers of harmonies. And oh, just, perfect. You know, the big, 
Hey, anyways, yeah, it's hard to sing harmony Jeff by yourself. Was a <laughs> Enough of that, Jeff. Enough of it, yeah. But hey, man, Josh, bro, good to be here with you, man. It is fantastic <laughs> to be here. Every time I say that, you're always kind of like, it's uh, really great to yeah be here with you, Jeff. It's so great, super, real convincing, you know. Super excited. I'm yeah, bursting at I the can seams. See that? You're hey, but bursting I, with extravagance. I, well, hey, I am extravagantly excited <laughs> today, man, because I, I, I just want to say this right off the top here, from the uh, get, from the get go. There it is. So the people listening to this today, look, I'm not doing this just to brag up my buddy Jeff, but oh, I do, I do want to say this. I want to say this. Brag me up. Well, the content of this podcast is we're going to be talking about uh, extravagance and worship. And I just want to set this up that I've really learned a lot from Jeff, even just watching him lead, watching him minister, watching him teach and preach, watching him do all this kind of stuff. And he's a guy that really does kind of set a cool precedence for what extravagance and worship really looks like. So, man, I just want to just thank the Lord for for having you as a model and example to me and to a lot of people around the world uh, for extravagance. So I'm really excited about what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, it's going to be cool because, and I, I really appreciate that. It's definitely just a journey, you know, that I'm on. Yep. To me, it's... It's just about looking at the Bible and there's people in the Bible that I just want to, I want to follow, yeah. you know? So if Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ, I'm just another guy in that chain saying, yeah. hey, I want to follow those people in the Bible that I see are extravagant worshipers. I want to follow people in the Bible that God highlights and mm-hmm. say, hey, look at this guy. Hey, look at this lady. Hey, look at these people. See what they're doing. And it's like God's kind of putting his stamp of approval and saying, hey, I want you to be like this. So I'm constantly looking for that stuff because I want to follow them. And if there's others that want to jump in and follow us as we do that, then let's go, man. Let's yeah. go. Come on, Pure Worship Podcaster peeps <laughs> out there. Let's do this thing, man. Let's go. Let's, let's stop messing around. You know? Right. I don't well, want to mess around. And with that, so we're going to be in the scriptures quite a bit today, y'all. And I've... I've heard, I've read books. I've heard different interviews and whatever with different worship leaders. I know Darlene Check has put out a book called Extravagant Worship. Uh, there's different stories that worship leaders have done with this idea of lavishing extravagant love on Jesus. And the story that you go to, man, is this story. Uh, historically, I believe it is it is Mary, kind of like the sister of Martha. If I'm getting my my text right, it's Mary lavishing this this perfume all over Jesus. So we're gonna get into that story. And I've heard people do this, you guys. Guys, but I think today what we're going to do is just going to bring a little bit of a twist on it and just kind of exploring what's going on in the room at that time. So we're going to be looking to the scriptures quite a yep, bit today. Absolutely. And, and really, as we get going, just as a reminder, you know, you got to remember that what we're doing here is we're unpacking the the what of worship, mm-hmm. the why of worship, uh, and then we got into the the who of worship, and that's what all these podcasts have been so far. So thank goodness we finally got to the how. How right? This is our second podcast in the hows, and so what we mean by that uh, is yeah. what, what's an awakened pure worshiper look like? Mm-hmm. What do they smell like? What do they talk like? What do they do in their life that makes them awaken? What are some characteristics that we can identify that we can go, Hey, I see that. Yep. I see what they're doing there. I see what they're saying there. Mm-hmm. I see the way that they're saying that. Yeah. And I want to emulate that in my life. You know, I want to be like these people. I want to cultivate those things in my life. So these are patterns that we're looking for in people in scripture. Uh, So if you're saying with us, 
Jeff, Josh, I want to be an awakened pure worshiper. What does that look like? And mm-hmm. then how can I get there? How, what are the steps I need to take? You know, and we'll say to you, there's no like, you know, hey, we've arrived, we're all done. It's a process, right? Yeah. We're in that process. Uh, it's a fun process. It's exciting. It's yep. it's hard. It's difficult because there's so many other things that are pulling at us. Yep. So one of these patterns, one of the things that we see when we look in the scriptures of the type of person that we want to emulate is this thing called extravagance. Mm. We see people that are doing wild stuff. They're doing crazy stuff. It right. seems like to me, I mean, you know, I just kind of made a list in the book. Uh, I mentioned like, okay, how does, how does Esther get to the point in her life mm. where she's able to say in, in Esther four sixteen, if I must die, yep. I must die. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's something in her that I want to develop in my life. You know, how does Stephen get to the place where he shouts as he's being stoned? Yeah. As he's being stoned to death, he says, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. Unbelievable. Come on, man. I mean, that's a, you know, we understand when Jesus says stuff like that on the yeah. car. Oh, well, he's Jesus. Yeah. But how does a guy like Stephen develop to the point in his life where he's able to be on the ground with stones hitting him in the head, looking up at heaven and saying, God, wow. whatever you do, don't charge him. So I want to be like that. Yeah. So what that, that to me is what we're talking about. We're going to talk about some physical expression today and all that stuff, but we're not just talking about that. We're talking about character. Yeah. How do you become someone whose heart is extravagant toward God, not just your expression? How do you get to the place? How does, how does uh, Peter get to the place where he's able to just say, yeah, I'm going to step out of the boat and just walk on the water? Yeah. I mean, we've heard the story a million times, right? Mm-hmm. But that's a big deal. It is. And people do give Peter a hard time, but he did walk on the water. It was short. Yeah. But it was sweet. Yeah. And I think about it this way too. When he walked out and he, I mean, he had to get to Jesus to the point where at least Jesus could reach out to him. Yeah. But then they had to walk back together too. Unless Jesus transport him. I don't know. But, right. you know, but that's pretty amazing. How does a guy get to that place where he's like, I'm going to step out. And I'm going to do something that no one has ever done before. It's a crazy heart posture. I mean, really at the end of the day, we know Peter's story. He's not perfect. We know David's story. We're going to be talking about David today. The the dude by no means was perfect. He did not have it all figured out. But what's so crazy is, is it really does begin uh, in the heart. And what's cool is, is it's a perpetual cycle. It's almost like breathing in oxygen and breathing out carbon dioxide and how, how the oxygen feeds us, carbon dioxide feeds, you know, the trees and stuff. And it's a perpetual thing. And guys, it begins in the heart, but it always does move. If it's in our heart, it moves to our actions. And so it's a, it's a cycle that feeds itself. Yes, exactly. It keeps going around and around. I mean, I mean, you know, like you said, even you think of Esther, I mean, she, it wasn't like she had it all together. She was afraid. Yeah. I mean, she knew what she was, she had an understanding of what she was doing. Yep. So there's all these people that we can look in the Bible and, and say, well, we want to be like those people. And that's what we're going to try to do today is mm-hmm. one of those characteristics of these people is that they had this extravagance about them. Yeah. They're willing to do or say something that is not your norm. Mm-hmm. It's not the norm. And so we're saying to you guys today, if you want to be an awakened to pure worshiper, if you want to be a kingdom worshiper, there's going to be things that are going to take us way outside of what we're comfortable yeah. with. Yeah. I mean, it, it, there's going to be things that God calls us to do or to say that we're not comfortable with. So just strap in, man, put your seatbelts on, Here put the go. harness on. Let's go. Let's Buckle up, thing, baby. You, know? you mentioned it. Um, there's this lady who <laughs> decided that she was going to worship and she didn't care what anybody thought, mm-hmm. right? Um, this story is found a couple different places in the Bible, but John, 
uh, chapter 12, you know, there's this lady, right? And she decides, I mean, I try to think of it in like a modern day context, right? Imagine that there's this, this meeting of these high level leaders in today's world, a whole bunch of pastors, like, you know, the big time pastors of the big churches, everybody knows them. They've got, you know, millions of followers on Twitter and, and all that <laughs> stuff, right? And they're gathering for this really special meeting. Yeah. And this lady shows up at the meeting uninvited, like she's a nobody. Yeah. And she decides that she's going to go into this meeting. So somehow she evades security, you know, yeah. and, and managed to get by, which, you know, I don't even know if that's acceptable, right? Are you allowed to do that? You know, she's sneaking into this high level, high security meeting. Right. Here, right. And somehow she gets into the room. And I don't know if she stood there for a little while and watched or whatever, or whatever was going on. She's trying to get the courage up. I guarantee her heart is just pounding. Yeah. You know, these guys are just talking They're They're talking about saving the planet, right? Yeah, they're with yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the most important leader himself too. And, and so she's just kind of sitting there trying to decide. I, can, I just imagine she's thinking, ah, oh, maybe I should turn around and go back. Yeah. This is ridiculous. You know, she's got this bag with her, you know, which they, they missed at the security, you know, <laughs> checkpoint or whatever. You know? And in the bag, she's got this perfume, right? Wow. Yeah. She's got this thing. And of course we know from the story that the the perfume is very valuable. Um, I don't really totally understand that whole thing. I mean, yes, it costs a lot to buy some perfume these days, but I mean, not it's not like a year's wage. Mm -hmm. uh, but it, it was it was something major that she had with her. This is something that was very valuable to her, right? Right. So she's trying to decide. She has this idea. She, you know, of course, we we truly believe this is inspired by the Holy Spirit, you know, because we know that there's there's something prophetic that's happening in this story that's going to happen mm -hmm. uh, as she anoints Jesus. But yep. you can imagine she's just. Just, she's, she's thinking, should I turn around and go back? Should I, should I press on? And then there's a moment that comes. Mm. You know how when you're just about to do something and you're not like, I don't know, I think of when I was a kid and I had to play in a piano recital or mm -hmm. something and the person before me is playing and I know that I'm next and that moment where all of a sudden everything just takes over and you get up out of your chair and it's almost like it's an out of body experience or something like that. And you see, you see yourself walking up. Yeah. Why am I walking toward the stage? Why am I walking out in front of all these people? Right. Why is this happening? And I sit down and I start to play and oh my goodness, it's, I'm nervous, you know? And, and to imagine there's that moment that comes for her and she just starts stepping out into the middle of the room. There's other people probably along the walls or whatever yeah. too. So she maybe wasn't noticed. Yeah. But then she steps out and starts walking toward Jesus. Come on. I mean, yeah. And so then head start, like, what, 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 what she, oh, what's she doing? And, you know, the security people are trying to, should I tackle her? Should I, you know, what's happening? <laughs> I mean, you know. Rubber ducky, we got a cold blue here. Cold blue woman, woman <laughs> with bag of nard. Bag... <laughs> Is that big or bad? Big. Big. We're Minnesotans, man. We're talking about a big. It's a big. Yeah, we got a big it's in a big, big. We got a big of incense over here. Woman. By the way, dude, lest we forget here, like, yes. she's a woman. I know. And the religious leaders are hanging out, doing their thing, yeah. talking yeah. to Jesus about God knows what. The boys yeah. are there. Yeah. And then, there's a woman. <laughs> yeah. What with is she? A bag. With a bag. Oh, so she's walking toward Jesus, right? And everybody's a little nervous, but I guess nobody moves. 
I was just stunned. Like, what's she doing? Why is she doing this? So you know, weird. Shocked. What a weird thing. Moment in time, just pause. It's like you see those movies where time stops and one person's still moving in the shot. Shut, 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 right? Shut, 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 shut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chariots yeah. of Fire right there? I, I, something. <laughs> something. <laughs> All right. So she, she kneels down, right? And she breaks the perfume open, yeah. I guess, right? This bottle and starts pouring the perfume all over Jesus' feet. Mm. Man, come on. And then she starts wiping his feet with her hair. I mean, that's, I mean, and we find out later in the story that Jesus didn't have his feet, like they didn't actually honor him by washing his feet when he right. got there. Huh. Interesting. And, and, and so that was one of the deals. So huh. I don't know, maybe his feet were still kind of dirty too. Well, the first word that popped into my head was grody. Uh, grody. Because I'm sure. like, she's going to be wiping that uh, <laughs> items yeah. off of his, I'm not going to talk about yeah. what kind of items right, would be on right, his feet right. as he's walking through yeah. uh, Jerusalem and these different places. Yeah. Let's not forget too that not just the perfume was going on his feet, but also her tears. Come on, man. Yeah. I mean, think about that. She's weeping. Tears are falling on Jesus' feet. I mean, I'm just hoping he wasn't ticklish. Sorry, I just went. <laughs> Sorry. Ruin the moment, Jeff. Touching, I did. I ruined it. But still, if somebody was touching my feet, I'd be like. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> I'm sure Jesus was able to, oh, to step man. away from that moment. He pushed, know, pushed past <laughs> that, the awkward Anyways, uh, we can edit that out, too, if we need to. No, that's staying in, <laughs> it's bro. Good. It's good. I mean, but that's real stuff, right? Absolutely, I mean, Jesus had man. feet, and she's crying, and she's wiping her hair, and there's this perfume. And, of course, the, the smell in the room is massive. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just taking over the room. I mean, because this is a good-sized bottle of perfume. She breaks it open. There's perfume everywhere on the floor. There's perfume on Jesus. There's perfume on the woman, mm. you know. And, and certainly the aroma is overtaking the room. Yeah. So I don't know. It, it's an amazing picture. And of course, then you have, you have the idea of different people uh, sitting around the table, kind of have this judgment, you know, oh, if Jesus knew who this woman was, mm-hmm. I mean, if Jesus knew, come mm-hmm. on, man, he's Jesus, right? right? Yeah. I mean, Jesus knows exactly who she is. Mm-hmm. And he still receives this, this worship, this, this moment, this expression from her. Right. And, but there's people judging, there's someone else, you know, saying, well, you know, that's such a waste. Can you believe the waste of money there could have been given to the poor. Mm -hmm. We know there's some wrong motives with that comment as well. The scripture reveals, but you know, there's all kinds of people sitting around judging, Mm. but then there's this beautiful expression that's happening. This beautiful picture uh, that's happening between the woman who truly doesn't belong. Yeah. I mean, you know, in that society for to- one, totally you know, an awkward situation. Right. Yep. I mean, she doesn't belong as far as the culture of the day, the woman factor, you know, all that, but just this whole thing. I mean, it's just awkward, yeah. you know, but she's like, I don't care mm-hmm. what people think of me. See, so these are some of the characteristics that we're looking at when we look at a person who's an awakened worshiper. You're not mm-hmm. concerned firstly about what people think. Yeah. You're concerned mostly with getting to Jesus. Yeah. And having this intimate encounter, you know, I, I assume that she's down on her knees. I assume there's this humbling posture too. Mm-hmm. She's coming for him. Part of her tears is probably because she knows her own heart yep. too, right? So she's coming humble. She's coming broken. She's coming, you know, struggling, whatever, hurting, mm-hmm. all that stuff. But she's like, I'm not, 
I'm not going to let those things keep me away. Mm-hmm. Right? Because many of us do that, right? I yes. mean, in our hurt, in our yep. brokenness, in our sin. Yeah. We let those things keep us from Jesus. Yes. We justify. And of course, the enemy loves that stuff, right? He, yep. he just says, oh, he's like, you, you're not worthy. Well, of course we're not worthy. That's the whole point. That's why Jesus died, because we're not worthy. Yep. But we want to stay away because, mm-hmm. well, I'll wait till I get right. Mm-hmm. Then I'll come. No, come in the middle of the mess. Yes. Come when you're not welcomed. Come when everyone else is looking down on you. Yep. Right? So these are some of the characteristics of what it means to be an awakened worshiper. Now, I heard uh, a pastor preach on this. And man, it just kind of gave a little twist. You kind of hinted at it uh, earlier in the beginning of the podcast. Uh, and I thought it just really brings it full circle mm-hmm. because you have what happened in the room and you have three different types of people that are kind of involved in this story, right? Yeah. Uh, number one would be uh, the people on the outside uh, looking in. Maybe the people gathered around the walls or maybe somebody out, you know, looking in the windows or whatever, however the situation was, but maybe it's just the people outside the building. These are, these are represent those who are unsaved or, mm-hmm. or kind of detached from the situation. And then you have a second group of people that were sitting at the table. Yeah. They're there uh, in the room. Um, the people outside, they didn't... Uh, even really get to smell the perfume or, or do anything with it, right? The right. people on the inside, though, they are at least, they, they represent believers mm. who at least so are churchgoers, people who are in the meeting, mm-hmm. you know, people who, who come to church um, or are a part of the group that says, hey, we're Christians, you know. Yeah. But these are people who, though they got to smell the perfume. They caught a whiff. Maybe, yeah, and, yep. and maybe enjoy it for a moment. When they walked out, it wasn't as if they had touched the perfume. Right. As if it actually got on their person. Yep. And then there's a third group of people, obviously, Jesus and the woman. They're the only two who walked out of that place with perfume on their person. Yeah. Whoa, that's amazing. Have you ever thought of it that way? I mean, that'll spin your head around. But then the obvious question is, who in the story will you be? Who in the story will I be? Will we be the ones on the outside looking in? Will we be like those in the room who get just close enough to get a whiff, but who aren't close enough to actually get any of the fragrance on their person? Or will we be the ones ready to break something open at the feet of Jesus? There's nothing more important. Hey, I wanted you to know about a special opportunity that I've been given. I've been invited by William McDowell and Deeper Fellowship Church in Orlando, Florida to be one of the main session speakers at the Deeper Worship Intensive Conference being held January 30 through February 2, alongside others like Corey Asbury, Travis Green, Rita Springer, Bob Sorge, and more. Hey, check it out at deeperworshipintensive.com. I'd love to see you there. And you can imagine, I'll definitely be speaking for my new book, Awakening Peer Worship. Okay, as we return to the conversation, I reveal how the fragrance of intimacy or fellowship with Christ 
serves not only to build our relationship with God, but also to carry the aroma of Christ with us on a daily basis to touch and heal a hurting world. And Josh begs the question, have you hugged Grandpa lately and walked out smelling like him with his overbearing polo cologne on? Or are you content to keep your distance and play it safe? All right, now that I've got your attention, let's get it in gear as we get back to the Pure Worship Podcast. The woman had to be close to Jesus and the perfume close to them in order for it to get on them, mm-hmm. right? And so they were so close, so intimate, so and she was so extravagant in her worship that they got perfume on them. So then... Not only does that represent the intimacy, but then when they go out of the room, now they're smelling like perfume. They're carrying the fragrance. Yes, they're carrying the fragrance of Christ. Mm -hmm. They're carrying that fragrance of intimacy Mm -hmm. that then can touch other people outside of the room. Come on, man. And these are so, it's kind of crucial to think of it like that. So my question to even, you know, you guys listening out there is where do you even fit in this? Would you be like a bystander hanging out on the outskirts, maybe peering through a window, checking it out? Would you be a person that sits at the table that you're actually catching a whiff and you're observing and you're maybe... Maybe you're either despising it or you're enjoying it. Man, I've been in some circles and some worship services where people have like cried out or they've laughed or they've danced. And, uh, you know, the Bible is really clear, man, that that the Lord searches the heart while man looks at the externals and that kind of thing. Like, where have you been at? Have you enjoyed it? Have you despised it? Or, and, and have you actually, man, when I'm with my grandpa, my grandpa wears polo cologne (laughs) and when I walk out of his house, we always end with a hug and I walk out of his house and I smell like polo for the rest of the day. And so my question is, have you hugged grandpa with the polo? Have you, have you, have you poured and lavished your love on Jesus? And do you actually have the perfume on you? Uh, the smell of his embrace, the smell of his, just his beautiful fragrance. And I just think it's a great picture. man. I think there's a difference between having the smell of religious activities. Yeah. And, having a smell of intimacy true intimacy right yeah i mean because we can go to church we can sing the songs mm-hmm. and, catch and a honestly whiff. yeah catch a whiff you know but then it doesn't actually impact our life yeah this you couldn't help it you, i mean she couldn't cover the smell up right i guess you could say it that way come on it's yeah. so obvious you're like yeah. oh man i can't even get this off my person you know because it's so it would have been so strong that yeah. smell of intimacy. So, you know, so I think your question too, to people is so important. Where have you stood? I mean, let's get personal and say something like, I mean, we're not all comfortable with these things, but that's the point. We're trying to open our hearts. Have you looked down on the person who's kind of running around with the banner in the front of the church? You know, <laughs> now can someone wave a banner with wrong motives? Sure. They Absolutely. Can. But could they wave a banner with good motives? You yes. Know? What about the person who's dancing around? Have you looked at them and go, Oh, that's, that's really nice. You yeah. Know? You know, I've had people that come to me and they go, Oh, oh, especially adults. Adults will come to me and they're like, Jeff, that's so great. What you're doing for the kids, you know, <laughs> the way that you lead those kids and, and, and in worship and everything. Oh man, it just those touches kids. my heart so much to see those kids worship. Oh, those kids. It's like, man, well, it's for you too. You know I mean? Like it's not just for them, but have you stood on the outside yeah. looking maybe either down or just thinking, well, that's not for me. Mm-hmm. It's for them. But God's saying, I invite you into this. I'm inviting you to break something open mm-hmm. so that you can expose 
some of who you are. See, that's another thing that happens with this woman. She wow. breaks something open. She exposes something of herself that many of us are afraid mm-hmm. to do. Mm-hmm. We're afraid to expose ourselves. But Jesus already sees it all. Yeah. You know, I mean, even the people sitting at the table, they thought if Jesus only knew who this woman was, that's the point. He did know who she was. Yeah. And he did not turn her away. And he ends the story with this man. He says, leave her alone. They who have been forgiven much, love much. Yeah, come on. And I've even said that, uh, you know, in some of our revived cities around the country, you know, there's this one woman, Heather, that I think of particularly, and she extravagantly, exuberantly, you know, uh, like how David says, I will extol the Lord at all times. Mm -hmm. One translation of that is I will go overboard for the Lord at all times. And sometimes I've actually stopped worship and I've been like, Hey, you know what guys, I can just kind of sense in the room. Maybe some people are uncomfortable with how she's dancing and shouting. And I want to tell you something. If you knew her story, you would understand why she's dancing the way she is, why she's shouting the way she is, why she's laughing the way she is. Well, and here's the thing, though. I want to take it a step further because I think that's what you're saying is is amazing. But it's easy for people to kind of go, oh, well, now that I know her story, um, I'll let her do that. But God is saying, look at your story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know that's where you're going. That is where I'm going. We're on the same page here. Like, look at your story. Isn't your story also one of extravagant grace and mercy on your life? Like, I am... I, I look at my life and I look back and I don't have these major like, oh my gosh, I was a drug addict or oh my goodness, I slept around all these times or anything. Mm-hmm. But man, I was a sinner. Yeah. I was lost. Yeah. And I mean, I desperately still absolutely day to day, every day need the grace and mercy of God just as much as any person. I was a Pharisee sitting at Come the table. On. Come on. I was the dude yes. hanging out who wasn't bold enough to walk into the atmosphere of yes. that room. Yes. The same grace was administered to all three of those parties. And that's what and that's we're missing. Glorious. That's yeah. what we're missing. Cause it's not just her story. Like her story is your story. Yeah. And if you don't see that, you need to pray and you say, God, help us, help me see that my story is one just like the woman, mm. just like the woman who came and broke something open. I do have brokenness. I do have sin. You have forgiven me. Mm-hmm. And that's the response. If, if, if you don't, understand how much you've been saved from or what you've been saved from, then you're not going to love extravagantly. That's yes, what you're saying. That's right? totally it. That's I mean, it. so there's, there's a, obviously there's an, a bunch of different people in the Bible that are extravagant worshipers. One of them, of course, we know is David. And we won't spend a ton of time on this because people know, but but you go to 2 Samuel 6 and, and David's bringing with all of Israel. I love mm-hmm. it because the Bible says all of Israel and David, they were celebrating with all their might. And of course, as they enter Jerusalem, bringing the ark of the covenant yep. back, the presence of God, back to the people, back to its rightful place. Who's watching, but it's Michael or Mikhail, mm-hmm. his wife, mm-hmm. right? Saul's daughter. Yes. Interesting, right? She's watching and she is looking down her nose at David and yep. basically has this conversation like, you know, how undignified Oof. are you? Come on. I mean, how you just made an absolute fool of yourself. You know, we talk about, you know, this is where he basically took off his kingly robes he had on the tunic, mm-hmm. you know, but in, in essence, concerning a king and his royalty, he took off his royal robes, his status. Yep. Yep. He removed his status. His dignity. Yep. His dignity and uh, began to dance like crazy, right? <laughs> because he's so crazy for his God. He yeah. loves God so much. He realizes what God has done for him. So he responds, Mikhail. Uh, looks down on him and says, man, you made yourself look like a fool. Mm. And David's like, nope, 
Nope, I didn't make myself look like a fool. In fact, those servant girls you said would be uh, looking down on me are actually admiring me. Yeah. They're actually going to look up to me yeah. because I was willing to lay down my status oh my and gosh. go after my God. In fact, the question is, who wouldn't in front of the God of the universe? Yeah. Who would keep their royal robes on? Mm. Who would keep their royal robes on? Yeah. In the presence of the King of Kings. David said, not me. Yeah. And of course, he says the classic line, I will become even more undignified than this. Yep. You see nothing. You ain't seen nothing, girl. Yep. Like, you think that was crazy what I just did right there? I'll go even further. Yeah. Right? Well, and in tying into that, there are serious ramifications sometimes. Uh, now, I'm not going to get off in some kind of crazy doctrine or something, but I just want to pose an idea that uh, what happens in the spiritual manifests in the natural. And you see that in the Old Testament and New Testament. Ideas that are happening in the Old Testament manifest in a spiritual level in the New Testament. And this is what I mean. What happened was when Mikkel or whatever, Michelle or Michael, <laughs> blah, 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 however you want to say lady. That lady. <laughs> When she came against David with that idea of you're, you're being a fool, you're acting like an idiot, your reputation's at stake, my reputation's at stake, what are you doing? What ended up happening is the rest of her life, she didn't have any children with David. Right. She was barren. Yeah. The Lord closed her womb. That spiritual idea manifested in the physical. Yes. And to take that to new covenant now, you know, those things are still in play. It might not be a physical thing. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not saying, hey, if you're barren, if you're not able to have children that, you know, it's because your heart's not right. I, I believe, you know, there's a lot of different things at play. It could be that. But what I want to say is there have been times when I haven't decided to pursue the Lord in extravagance and my heart hasn't been in it. It's led to barrenness in my yes. life, man. I'll just confess. I said this a, a couple podcasts ago, talking about my own barrenness yes. and kind of spiritual wilderness. It's because when I have decided I'm not going to press into Jesus, I'm yeah. not going to lavish my love on him. There's a dryness that comes to yes. our spirit. So yes. just kind of food for thought. Yeah. It becomes, it becomes a thing where you, can become barren spiritually. Correct. Like that pharisaical spirit, also that looking down on that kind of thing. When you find yourself looking down on other worshipers, yep. you're in danger because there's a spiritual barrenness. And of course, Woo. what we mean there is that you're not going to bring forth life yeah. out of your, like there's death that now that it's attached to you because of this attitude that you would have of looking down on others. So then we could switch it around the other way. Yep. If it's true that barrenness can come, spiritual barrenness can come as a result of this type of attitude that Mikkel had, yep. then certainly the opposite is true as well. Because David then birthed tons of things through his intimacy with God, through his uh, willingness to become more undignified. He then yep. birthed uh, the kingdom of heaven I mean, mm -hmm. through his line, right? Yeah. So we just see patterns here uh, where somebody might think that someone's acting foolish in worship. It actually is bringing new life. So the point is, you better check yourself before you wreck yourself. That's baby. what he's saying. Come on now. All right, you got that scripture, right? Yeah, I love this. First Chronicles uh, 21, 24, it says this. You know, it's it's the whole thing of David. Uh, he's he's purchasing. He's at the threshing floor. He's going to buy this, this plot of land from Arauna. And uh, here it is. It says, uh, but King David replied to Arauna, no, I insist on paying the full price. I will not take for the Lord what is yours 
or sacrifice a burnt offering that costs me nothing. Now, the whole thing is David had taken the census. He had grieved God's heart. Uh, a lot of people ended up getting uh, wiped out. And he's coming with a penitent heart. And he's saying, no, I'm not going to receive something from the Lord that's going to cost me nothing. So or I'm not going to give something I, that's going to cost me. That's the whole he's right. saying. I'm not going to give an offering that didn't cost me something. Totally. Right. Right. And so it's just another example of the exuberance and the extravagance of David's worship. And he really, he really got that. And he was kind of a a cool first model of this. Well, and what we're saying here is that, that worship does cost. There's this, there's this wrong understanding that says, oh, Jesus paid it all. Therefore there's no cost. Well, it's true that Jesus paid the thing that we couldn't pay. Mm Mm-hmm. But in order for us to receive what he paid for, there's a cost that we have to pay, which yeah. is laying down our life. That's yeah. what it means to die to self, right? Yeah. The cost for us is also giving up our lives. It was impossible for us to do that if Jesus hadn't paid what he paid. Right. right? So we're not saying that that we have you know, that we can pay what he paid. No, he paid something that we could never pay. Mm-hmm. But then there's a cost for us too. And there is a cost to become an awakened pure worshiper. Mm-hmm. There's a cost to become like Esther. There's a cost to become like Peter who walked on the water. There's a cost to become like David who shouted down Goliath. Like, yeah. where does this guy get this, uh, this passion to shout down Goliath? Yeah. And where does he even get the idea to say, no, I'm not going to offer uh, an offering or give an offering that doesn't cost me something. Mm-hmm. These people realized that worship comes at a cost. Yeah. Right. And it's so, and it's an intense cost. It's laying down our lives. It might be the cost of embarrassment or, but it see, it's our pride yeah. that oftentimes keeps us from, you know, or, or just the, the desire for ease in this situation, you know, David could have said, yeah, yeah, it'd be a lot easier if I just take this. Yeah. I can just take something that, that somebody's giving me and I'll just give that to the Lord. That yeah. doesn't work. Yeah. God's saying, hey, there's a personal cost for each person to come when they bring their worship. And it's so not about a works thing. What yeah. it is, it's a response thing. Absolutely. It's if, if Christ is the model and he laid it all down, our response should be, you know what? I'm going to be like Jesus. I'm going to lay it all yeah. down. So there's one other scripture we're going to look at. Uh, this is probably one of my top five favorites in the whole Bible. You know, we're talking about people that are doing, quote, foolish things. <laughs> like it's foolish to step out of a boat and try to walk on the water. It's it's foolish to uh, to dance before God and st- strip off the <laughs> royal robes. Preposterous. You know? it's, yeah, it's ridiculous. It's, it's foolish to, to go and take a, a year's salary in perfume totally. and just dump it on some guy's feet. Absolutely, right? man. So, so let's let's get into this little passage here. Okay, so this is out of 1 Corinthians. Guys, I'd, I would encourage everybody, go and read 1 Corinthians 1. This yeah. is just ridiculous. I'm actually going to start at verse 26. It says, Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Man, just think about that. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But here it is. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. And he chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things Mm. and the things that are not Mm. to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. He takes these foolish things, man. He takes the ridiculous and the absurd, the absurdity of dumping that precious perfume, the absurdity of standing up before a giant, a 10 and a half foot or nine and a half foot giant. Like that is ridiculous stuff. 
And this is what we're saying. The thing you, you don't want to hear us saying that we're not saying and that the scriptures are not saying is that just because something is foolish, now it's godly. Right. <laughs> like there's lots of things that we would say are foolish that are not godly. That's good, man. Right. And so it's not that just because you did something foolish now suddenly, oh, oh that means God loves to use that thing. <laughs> no, it's just that the things that we consider foolish are often the things that God actually considers wise. So, yeah. so God is not considering the, the perfume, a foolish act, the giving of that perfume. God's not considering Peter stepping out on the water as a foolish act. God doesn't consider uh, David coming against Goliath foolish. In fact, he would say the opposite is true. It's foolish for David not to go against Goliath. It was foolish for the for the Israelites Crazy. to stand back and be bullied wow. by this one guy. I don't care if he's big. We have a whole army here. And the, no matter, forget the army. It's the army of the Lord that's behind yeah. us. So that's what David saw. He's seeing something different than what other people are seeing. So the opposite is true. It was Foolish to not dump the perfume on Jesus' feet. Yes. Right? So that's what Jesus... It's really flipped. It's flipped. It's not... Don't think of it as, oh, well, if I do something foolish, now I'm doing something godly. No. It's that our understanding of what is foolish is wrong. Mm -hmm. Because we think it's foolish, but God loves to take the things that high and mighty people. I mean, part of that, that chapter, it goes on to say stuff about, you know, just the powerful people, right. And, and the, the world's debaters and the philosophers mm-hmm. and how God, he loves to help people understand the, especially the ones who think they know. Yeah. And we've all been there. So I'm not pointing fingers here. Yep. Right. We all think there's, ah, oh, yeah, I've kind of got this figured out. Right. But we think we know, and then God loves to flip it on us and remind yes. us, Hey guys, that little thing that you think, you know, even if you know a lot, the percentage of what you know compared to what I know, what God mm-hmm. knows, you know, it's so minuscule. And even what you do know was given to you by me, <laughs> by God, right? Yeah. So he loves to take those little things that we think are foolish, yeah. you know, and, and flip them on us. Gifts of the Spirit would be a huge one of those, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, so often those things are kind of lumped into, oh, those are foolish things. Those are weird things. And God's saying, no, they're actually normal. You've got to flip your normal switch to the right side. Mm-hmm. If you think some of these godly things are abnormal, the truth is you've got your mentality flipped. And being physically expressive to the Lord in worship is another one of those. I think that's the one of the biggest things coming from a worship leader aspect. Absolutely, those are those things in church norms that really ruffle religious people's feathers. And uh, you know, really, case in point is David dancing here. Yes. So uh, there's a part in the book, Jeff, that you share, and I know we're running out of time here, but oh, you're good. Uh, just kind of talk about that whole thing of talking to your feet. That yeah, that yeah, one. Yeah. I think it's so crucial for these guys to hear it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'll probably do a podcast later on one of my favorite all-time titles when it gets into, when we get into understanding why it's so important to worship God with our bodies. I have a session called uh, God Wants Your Body, (laughs) which is based on Romans 1 and 2, give your bodies to God, right? So it's a scriptural thing, but God wants your body in worship. God Mm -hmm. is calling you, he's requiring you, he's inviting you to use your body in worship. Uh, and we've talked about some of these things in the past, but for me, I did not grow up this way. 
Okay. Again, for me, it was really strange to think of using my body in worship. I felt weird to lift a hand. It felt mm-hmm. weird to move my feet. It yeah. felt weird to get on my knees, you know, in a mm-hmm. church service or whatever. Those expressions, that's not part of how I grew up. Yeah. But see, what I did, what I didn't do is when I came across these these expressions in the Bible, I didn't go, oh, well, that must have been just for those people. Yeah. I realized God is saying, no, just because you were raised a certain way or you didn't get it when you were younger doesn't mean that your way is the right way. Like if my way doesn't gel with what the kingdom way is, what the Bible says, I want to change it. Mm-hmm. So I came mm-hmm. across passages. I see this thing of David dancing and I'm like, well, I'm not that guy, but God says that guy's a guy after his own heart. So I'd like to be a guy after his own heart too, mm-hmm. you know? So there's other things besides dancing, of course, that David did that we want to do. But, but for me, I got to the place where uh, when I was living in Nashville, uh, really back, especially between like 1993 and 1995-ish, something like that. I was in this real place of developing my expression and my secret place time with God. Hmm. And I realized that this was a heart, soul, mind, strength thing. So it's whole person. I wanted to use my whole person. Worship not just with my heart, but yes, also with my mind, also with my body, my whole person. And my right then, at that time in my life, my body was the part I was lagging behind. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I was I was a, a little bit more of a thinker, and so my mind was engaged with God. My heart was engaged. I wanted to be authentic, but my body was lagging behind where my heart and my mind were. So I wanted to bring it all together. So I remember one, I mean, I don't know, this is a little bit of exaggeration, but I would get into, the, into my room in my office. We had a teeny little three-bedroom house in Nashville, you know, uh, in, in a Madison, Tennessee. And it was Martha and I's first house. And then we had this one little, it was like a half bedroom that I used for my office. I had a little desk in there and I, I had some, uh, a jam box, boom box, whatever, <laughs> to be able to play some music. And I would put on some music and I was like, I looked at my feet and I said, feet, the Bible tells you that you're supposed to dance. Time to dance. And so it was like, I picked up one leg and moved to the right, pick up the other leg, move to the right, <laughs> pick up the leg, move to the left, pick up the, I mean, it's like oh, a little yes. at a time. I mean, I'm like, I'm determined because I'm not going to offer something that doesn't cost. And I, I, it was costing me something. It was costing me pride. Mm. I was holding back. I was closed down through misunderstanding or ignorance or whatever it was. But to the fact that God wanted me to, he made me to worship him with yeah. my body mm. too. And so I was, I was having to uproot and unlearn. Okay. I, I thought of my body as something I didn't use in worship, but how ridiculous is that? God mm-hmm. made me to worship him. So he's not saying, oh yeah, everything except your body. <laughs> you know? So right. he's calling us to use our whole self. Wow. So I started, I started getting on my knees in my bedroom. I gotta be honest, Josh, it felt weird at first. Like yeah. I'm by myself, there's nobody here. I'm yeah. lifting up my hands. Yeah. It's so funny to me now how weird that was then. Yeah. Because it's not weird at all now, but I could see how it felt weird then. It really did. I felt so awkward. Even singing in a room by myself yep. felt weird. <laughs> but little by little, I'm like, I want to become like those. So you have to get a vision, yep. right? You have to get a vision. And I, I, I realized there was a picture, and this is why the Bible exists. It helps us see what we should become and what we should avoid becoming. Mm. And obviously, it's, it's so that we can walk with God and have the revelation of relationship with Him. But it gives us these clues mm-hmm. of, of who we should become and who we should avoid becoming. So I'm like, okay, note to self, I don't want to be like the guy sitting around the table judging the woman. I want to become more like the woman. 
woman in the story. Yeah. Who do you want to be in that story? Yeah. And so I realized I wasn't there and it wasn't going to happen overnight. I didn't become an awakened pure worshiper overnight and I'm, I'm not there yet. I'm still mm-hmm. in process. I want to keep moving. It's not natural for me to become like that woman. Yeah. But I'm a new person. I'm a new creation. God's put the Holy Spirit in me. So I'm becoming new. I'm becoming like somebody who can, even though it goes against every natural fiber in my being to become like that, Mm -hmm. that perfume breaking open woman who worshiped Jesus and wiped her hair on his feet. You know, even though I, I, I'm naturally so far from that. Man, supernaturally, God is making me. So I started taking steps in the right direction. I think that's really what we're saying to people. Yeah. Start taking steps. When it comes to the physical expression of worship, start taking steps towards becoming. Find somebody in the Bible that you want. That you say, okay, I want to be like that. Yeah. Or find a, a leader in a church that you're saying, that's what a pure worship worshiper looks like. I want to become like that person. And just start taking steps in the so right good. direction. So my question to you guys today as we close, uh, what are some obstacles to you becoming extravagant, exuberant, extolling the Lord, going overboard for the Lord in your expression? Uh, I'm, I'm just going to say physically for sure, but also mentally, yes. uh, also emotionally, that kind of stuff. But what are some hindrances? What are the obstacles? And I just want you to ask the Lord, what are those things? And just confess to the Lord, yes. uh, uh, you know, Lord, I haven't given you this part of me and I want to, and I yes. want to lavish extravagantly. You know, some of, some of you people are thinking like, oh, my perfume isn't good enough, or my huh. perfume is a little too stinky for the Lord, hmm. or my, my, you know, uh, I'm afraid, or I'm too proud, or whatever. What are some obstacles? What is the fear and the insecurity that's keeping you from lavishing your love on Jesus. So I just want to pray for you guys in Jesus name. I just speak freedom to everybody listening right now. And I pray that you would receive courage and boldness and wisdom on how to approach the Lord extravagantly and exuberantly. So Lord, I pray that you'd speak to them, reveal any area that they're holding back Lord, reveal in my own heart areas that I'm holding back. And I pray that you would just bring your freedom. And I love just the words of Jesus. He says, those who have been forgiven much love much Lord, teach us. Uh, even just be, keep us aware of how much we've been forgiven. Lord, uh, how much we are loved. Uh, how great is the love that the Father has lavished upon us, that you should be called sons and daughters of God. Lord, awaken us to that reality, and may our response be extravagant. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, guys, please know that we are incredibly thankful to have you hang with us once again on this week's Pure Worship Podcast entitled Extravagant Love. Hey, please don't miss the point of this podcast. If all you see is a broken woman who was wild for Jesus because of her great sin, you're missing it. The point is this. The woman is you. The woman is me. We should be as deeply moved by Jesus' great sacrifice for us as the woman is, because our need for a Savior is no less than hers. Hey, it's not that God requires extravagant worship from us to stroke his ego. It's that there is simply no other fitting response. Okay, on our next podcast, Josh and I share a little surprise when it comes to the ones Jesus describes as the greatest in the kingdom. So we wish you and your family an awakened new year, and we'll see you next week for the Pure Worship Podcast.